throughout this Advent season and now on Christmas Day, we've been using the theme, White as Snow. And maybe as we've seen all of the snow and cold that we've had over the course of the last uh, few weeks, God has provided that picture of what it's like to have our sins covered, our sins white as snow. And today, again, we get that picture from God and his word of what Jesus came to this earth to do to save us from our sins. I don't know. Maybe what I'll do is just give you about 30 seconds to talk to somebody close to you about your favorite part of the Christmas story. Go ahead. About 30 seconds. Talk to someone close to you. Your favorite part. As you think about the Christmas story and the birth of Jesus, what's your favorite part? Okay, I'm going to throw some things out, and if this was you, you can raise your hand. It's okay. There's no right or wrong answer to this. How many of you just are amazed every year at the humble beginning of Jesus, that that's one of your favorite parts, that Jesus was a hum humbly born? The king of the universe came and was born in a stable, okay, in a laid in a manger. We got a few of those. All right, how about things like the shepherds, that God first announced the birth of Jesus to shepherds through angels? All right, got a lot of takers on that one. That's good. Anybody love the verse, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart as she thought about the Christmas, the, the Christmas story and everything that had happened to her? All right, what about the journey? The fact that somehow a nine-month pregnant Mary made the 90-mile journey or so from Nazareth to Bethlehem. All right, there's lots of parts of the Christmas story that kind of amaze us, aren't there? Things that we think wow, it would have been nice to be there and see all of those things happen. One of the things that really strikes us as we think about the Christmas story is how much of that Christmas story truly defies reason. Isn't it proof again that God is so much bigger than anything in this world? That all of the miracles surrounding Christmas are ways to trust, that you and I can trust that everything that God set about to do, he did. There's so many miracles that are connected to the Christmas story. And just before I read Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 24, there may be more, but I'd like to focus on four miracles that are found in that text and then a fifth one that we're going to add today as we think about how our sins have been made white as snow. Those miracles are the way that God brought about your salvation and mine. And as we think about the Christmas story, consider again and marvel again at the grace of our God to send his son Jesus to save us from sin. That's the truth we'll take from Matthew chapter 1 today. Jesus saves. And as we look at the miracles of Christmas, we'll see what it took God to bring that salvation about for you and for me. We're going to go back through Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 to 24, but, but I'm going to skip around a little bit and focus on different parts of that text. So I'll start in Matthew's summary of what happened at the birth of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1? He writes this in verses 22 and 23. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Matthew often wrote about the fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures, and the birth of Jesus was no exception for him. 
Miracle number one, as Matthew sees it in this text, is the incarnation of Jesus. That's a fancy word for saying that God took on human flesh. I want to let that sink in just a little bit. Because we hear it every Christmas. We know that it happened. But that idea that God would take on human flesh should surprise us every time we hear it. The infinite God, the God with no beginning and no end, the God who rules the nation was confined in human skin. And yes, at Jesus' birth was laid in a manger. When Jesus came to this earth, there was tangible presence of God on this planet. People could touch him. They could talk with him. They could see him. And that was God made flesh. Or, as Isaiah says and Matthew quotes, Emmanuel. I'm sure you know the meaning of that word, Emmanuel. You've heard it through Christmas celebrations your whole life. But don't lose sight of how special it is that God with us is the name that was given to Jesus. In the flesh, God with us. Jesus came to this earth to be a human being so that you and I could be saved. The how boggles our minds. How could the infinite God be contained in something finite? How could God become a human being? We don't know. But maybe equally important to the how is the why. Why would God ever do that? Why would Jesus leave the riches of his throne in heaven to come to earth to save us? If you think about Christmas songs, there's one Christmas song in particular that I remember sort of not really enjoying the lyrics to as a young boy. Chris, Santa Claus is coming to town. Do you, do you remember that one? He's making a list, checking it twice, going to find out who's naughty or nice, right? What if God had such a list? What if God had a list of the naughty and nice? Any chance any of us could be on the good side of that list? No. We know our sins. We know our failures. We know that God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ came. Christ died for us. There was no good reason for Jesus to take on human flesh than save for one. That's you and me and all people. God came to this earth in the form of Jesus because he wanted to save us. He loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That's what Jesus came to do. That's the mystery of the incarnation, that God would become a human being to save. All right, one more question that you have to talk with somebody next to you. What's your favorite Christmas carol or Christmas song? When it comes on the radio or when you're listening at home, maybe you put it in your playlist. What's your favorite song? What's your go-to Christmas song? Go ahead and talk to somebody close to you and then I'll take a few suggestions. (laughs) 
I know it's really unfair to make you choose one, right? You probably have multiple. All right, I'll take a few suggestions. Somebody from over here, give me your favorite Christmas song. Say it again. Silent Night. Okay, Silent Night, a classic, right? Yes. Last night. Did anybody else sing Silent Light last night with the candles and then you light? Okay, some, that's a very traditional thing. Guy. What child is this? Very good, very good. Somebody from this section want to give us their favorite Christmas song? Go ahead, Rob. Oh, Holy Night. You are a man after my own heart. That's what I would say <laughs> if I had to guess. Oh, Holy Night. All right, anybody over here? Silent Night in German. Okay, that's the traditional singing in German of the first verse, at least, which some of you could probably recite. All right. We all have our favorites. I don't know that this is my favorite. It's not my favorite song, Mary Did You Know, but I do find the lyrics to Mary Did You Know very compelling. The person who wrote that had an understanding, at least, or a faith, a trust in what God said in his word about the incarnation of Jesus. Do you remember some of the lyrics? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would someday walk on water? Mary, did you know that when you kiss your little baby, you kiss the face of God? Veiled in flesh, the hymn writer wrote, our God had seen. That's the mystery of the incarnation. And that's what God did to save you and me. All right, let's read verse 18 to pick up miracle number two. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Miracle two is the virgin birth. We heard it in Isaiah's prophecy in chapter seven, fulfilled as Matthew said here in Matthew chapter one at the birth of Jesus. But Mary was pregnant and not in the conventional way. We're simply told that what was conceived in her came from the Holy Spirit. Again, it maybe should leave us scratching our heads. How does that happen? How does God defy what we would call science in order to bring Jesus into the womb of Mary? And then if that wasn't enough, he announced that birth to Mary through the angel Gabriel, who came to her and said, guess what, Mary, you're pregnant and it's... Holy Spirit's child. We should shake our heads and say, how did God do that? How did God make it possible for Jesus to be born of Mary? It's not, it's not, we cannot explain it. It's an inexplicable mystery that God would bring a child into this world through Mary. But here's what we do know. God did that so that he could save he did it so that Jesus could not only live under the law and die for us as a human being, but that his life would count for the sins of all people. That, that Jesus could make a payment and live perfectly so that you and I could stand before God. Maybe the angel Gabriel's words are enough. With people, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. That was only one Mystery, I suppose, surrounding and miracles surrounding Mary. Let's take another one. Matthew chapter 1, verse 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Maybe we don't think about this very much, but I think miracle number three is the fact that Mary simply said, okay. 
If you go back to Luke chapter 1, what would you read about Mary is after this amazing announcement of the angel, first of all, a visit from an angel, then this amazing announcement that she's going to have a child, she simply says, let it be to me as you have said. She embraces what the angel tells her. How exciting that must have been for Mary to know that she was going to be the mother of the Messiah, the one who had been promised for so long. But in that excitement, there was something else. Yes, Mary believed and she embraced it. But somehow she had to let Joseph know what was going on. We're not told exactly how that conversation went or if Mary was even the one who passed it along to Joseph. But somehow Joseph found out. Was Mary nervous about telling him? Was she nervous what Joseph's reaction was going to be? The Bible doesn't tell us. But it does tell us that Mary embraced what was happening. And maybe Mary simply thought this. The same God who led me to trust this promise can lead Joseph to do the same thing. And Mary was right, wasn't she? That's miracle number four. Listen to verses 20 and 21. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, that's Joseph, in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And then verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Again, the Bible is silent about a lot of these things. But it's not too difficult to think that maybe Joseph was struggling a little bit with everything that was going on. We read the verse where he had in mind to simply end their relationship as quietly as possible to protect Mary's reputation. But God intervened. This time it was a dream. God came to Joseph in a dream to give him the details. Again, how this must have struggled, how this must have been a struggle for Joseph. There had to be some confusion, some disappointment, maybe some hurt, thinking that somehow Mary had been unfaithful to him. And what were his next steps? What should he do? And then God provided the one detail that Joseph was unaware of in that dream. The detail was simply this. What's in Mary was given to her, was placed there by the Holy Spirit. Yes, Mary is expecting but this is the different kind of pregnancy, Joseph. And in that dream, God gave Joseph the assurance that he was behind everything. That a child was going to be born and this child was going to be special. And then the name. You are to give him the name Jesus. In the Old Testament, the name Jesus would have come out like this, Joshua. And the word Joshua or Jesus mean the same thing, one in Hebrew and one in Greek. It simply means God saves, Jehovah saves. That's what Jesus came to this earth to do. Jesus came to this earth to pay for sins, to make sure that we could live with God forever because what stood between us and God was wiped away. There must have still been questions in Joseph's mind. How is all of this going to work? What is it going to be like to be the stepfather of the Messiah? Who knows? Who knows what Joseph thought? But we know what he did, don't we? He listened. He obeyed. When he woke up from the dream, 
He asked no questions. He simply took Mary home to be his wife. And the two of them fulfilled the promises that God had made. One last miracle that isn't found in the verses that are before us today, but it's certainly implied, isn't it? And it's implied as well because you're all sitting here this morning on Christmas morning. As amazing as it is to think about the incarnation, that God became human, as amazing as it is to think about a virgin birth or that Mary embraced the promises that Joseph believed, you're sitting here because of miracle number five. You believe. You believe that Jesus came into this world to be your savior. You believe that God sent Jesus for a very special reason for you. And our faith is no less incredible than the faith of Mary or Joseph or anyone else. See, it's proof, isn't it, that that faith isn't something that we could come up with? That when God tells us something in his word, he also gives us the ability to believe it? There's never a chance that we could have come to this understanding of all of these miracles of Jesus and what it means to us without the power of our God. And yes, the same power that could bring about God becoming flesh or a virgin birth, that's the same power that's at work in your heart and mine. It's the same power that has led us to embrace the fact that Jesus is our Savior. And it brings us peace. Peace that God wants us to have, not only this Christmas season, but always. The peace of knowing that we have hearts that are right with God because Jesus has erased our sin, has made us white as snow, has saved just as God sent him to do. That's what you're here today to celebrate. You're saved. And you know you're saved. You believed you're saved because God has given you that gift of faith, that miracle in your heart too. Jesus once talked about what it was like to be people who haven't seen and, and yet have believed. Maybe you've thought about that a time or two. If only I could see a little bit more tangible proof. Wasn't it great that people got to live with Jesus, that they got to hold him, that they got to talk with him? Sure. But Jesus calls you blessed. Listen to these words from John chapter 20. Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's you. That's me. God considers us blessed because he's given us the faith to believe that the little baby in a manger is our savior from sin. The one who came to this earth with one mission and accomplished that mission and gives you the peace and joy of knowing your salvation is secure. A few takeaways from our Christmas sermon today. Number one, Christmas miracles point out what a special Savior we have. For to us a child is born, Isaiah wrote. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Number two, Christmas miracles prove the power of God's word. Faith comes, we're told, from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. That's how Mary believed. It's how Joseph believed. And it's how you and I believe today as well, through the power of the word. Finally, number three, Christmas miracles remind us that we have the gifts of faith, forgiveness, and salvation. 
to Titus, the Apostle Paul wrote this, The grace of God has appeared, which offers salvation to all people. That's our joy today. That's our peace, to know the salvation that is ours in the Savior who came. I couldn't believe how old this book was when I looked it up. Any readers of John Grisham's Skipping Christmas? You can raise your hands. Okay, anybody do the Cliff Notes version, also known as the movie called Christmas with the Cranks? Okay, anybody seen that? Yep, same thing. It's the movie that's based on the book with a little different title. If you remember the movie, and I realize this is going to be a spoiler alert, but it is 20 years old, so I don't feel too badly about it. The gist of the book is simply this. There's a couple whose daughter is not going to make it home for Christmas, and so they decide that they're going to skip Christmas altogether. And instead of putting up the tree and decorating the house and the yard, instead of making all the things and running to the store and making sure everything is just right, they're simply going to take all of what they would have spent on those things and go on a nice vacation. Maybe not the worst idea, but you might remember what happens. Their neighbors aren't too happy with them because they live on a block where everybody decorates for Christmas and they kind of stick out like a sore thumb. They start putting pressure on them and they dig in their heels even more until their daughter says she's coming home for Christmas the day before. And then they scramble to make sure everything gets put up, the new tree, right? All of the decorations, everything's done, and they learn a lesson, I suppose. The lesson simply is we can. Can't we get caught up in all of the things that surround Christmas and forget what really happened on that day? The special news that God gave, not just to Mary and Joseph, not just, not just to the shepherds in the field, but to you and to me, too. Remember, remember as you celebrate Christmas, the miracles of Christmas. The miracles that prove that God came to this earth to save you and me. And the joy that you and I have, that we will live with him forever. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.